Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day it is. And I say it's always a beautiful day when we get together and open God's Word together and see what He has to reveal. And that's what we're going to do today and how exciting that is. And as we get started, oh, by the way, my name is Preston Pitts. I'm, I'm sorry, but I just have to pause just for a second. Um, I'm Preston Pitts, but, but I need to share something with you that, um, you know, we're here to be a family and be transparent with each other, and I really need to tell you something. And that is that I'm really, normally when I introduce myself, I said I'm Preston Pitts, elder. Today I have to share with you that I am Preston Pitts, a fairly decent church elder. Now, this T-shirt was given to me by our illustrious pastors and our staff <laughs> over the holidays. And uh, it was an attention getter. And, uh, and so, as I go into this year, it is truly my goal to be a better elder. So they accomplished what they wanted. <laughs> and, what, and one of my real goals now, I set high sights, is to get a T-shirt next year that says, a decent church elder. So... <laughs> I am excited to be before you, but I wanted you to know who was addressing you today. <laughs> Preston Pitts, Elder of Common Ground. So thank you very much. And with that, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the gifting of our worship team, not only with their talents, but also for their heart for praise and worship for you. We thank you, Father, that all of us get led into your presence. And I pray that uh, you speak individually to us and collectively. May we be here, Father, to glorify you and praise you. May we be here, Father, to uh, have you reveal things to us that strengthen us uh, individually and as the body of Christ. And so, Lord, um, you guide us today, and may we feel your holy presence and celebrate. And when we leave here, may our life be a living testimony to the goodness of you. In Jesus' name. So as we get started, uh, we are continuing with our series in Acts. And uh, I love the series in Acts because, you know, what we're doing, we're kind of, first, we're following the apostles. And we see the apostles are the ones that walked with Jesus, and they got great understanding and revelation that Jesus was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He was their Savior. And they, they truly understood the work that Jesus did on the cross to save us and to reconcile us to God. Then we see in the first part of Acts that the Holy Spirit descended upon them and they were transformed. They began to speak with great authority. They began to speak with wisdom and they began to speak boldly to the religious leaders who were opposing them, but also they spoke with love and kindness and goodness the truth about Jesus. So many came to the saving grace of God, of Christ. And in doing so, the church was born and the kingdom of God was being expanded. And then I kind of relate that to us today. And as I'm digesting all that, I'm just reminded that God works through his people. I'm also reminded, and hence the name Acts, that we're to be a people of action. And in that moment of action, I love it because Derek reminds us we're, we're serving on a battleship, not a cruise ship. And when we did our mission, we talked about fueling a movement. So we're active, 
and helping people find God. And so there's movement and action in what while we're doing. And as we get into the, uh, this, this, the uh, verses today, which is Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 19, we're going to see an activity being revealed here that is so important, and that is prayer. And we're finding, and I love the song, that we, you know, God fights the battles for us. We're to be a praying people, calling on God. And so my hope and prayer is that as we get into this, you will find that you, you should be encouraged to pray. Be encouraged that God, that prayer makes a difference. And also be encouraged, excuse me, that God uses us to expand his kingdom as he works through us with prayer. So prayer is mighty and powerful, and prayer connects us to God and his will and his purposes. So with that, let's go into the verses together. And it's, again, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 19. And I'm going to read it in its entirety. And the reason for that is that it's, um, it, it, there are a series of things that are happening we're going to talk about, all that center around the importance of prayer, uh, the beauty of prayer, and the power of prayer. And so with that, we will read. And then we'll come back and we'll go through it. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. 
But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is an angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Whew, a lot going on here. So when we go back up to the first, let me set the context of what's happening here. So as, as the church is, is expanding, the kingdom of God is expanding, there's opposition. Typically, the opposition has been coming from the Jewish religious leaders, the Jewish people. But now we see that King Herod is getting involved. And he is beginning to persecute the church also. Now, this King Herod is not the Herod that tried to kill Jesus. This is the grandson of that King Herod. And there were several King Herods um, that were um, ordained by Rome to lead and to be king over these areas. And they all had a similar characteristic. They were ruthless, and they were power-hungry, and they were shrewd. And we're going to see those characteristics here with this Herod. And so what was happening is he persecuted the church. He started actually saying, laying hands on individual members of the church. And then he killed James. And this James is um, James. He's the, he's the brother of John, but he is one of the apostles. And he was actually in Jesus' inner circle. It was Peter and James and John. And um, so... When he killed him, what was the response? They were, the Jewish people were elated. They were, they were encouraging him because he saw that it pleased them. Now, you've got to remember, Herod is self-seeking here. He is, he's looking for his own in, in benefits here. He's not trying to do anything of some spiritual nature. He just sees it pleases them. And the reason is because the king reported to Rome. Rome wanted civil obedience, law and order. And if you had uprisings in your area, you, were, you could be in trouble. So he wanted to appeal to the people. He found this was doing that. And so they were liking what he was doing. So to keep going, what does he do? He arrests Peter. And he puts Peter, Peter in prison. And he's in high security. He's got 16 guards around him. And probably because Peter escaped from prison one other time before. And he didn't want that to happen. But Peter's in high security. And verse 5. So let's pause there. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, some, some versions say continuous prayer. But really heartfelt, intense prayer was being lifted up for Peter. And by the church. And I, I emphasize a couple of points here. One, as Derek reminds us, the church is not a building. The church is God's people, the believing people coming together. And one thing that we need to know is we are united together by the power of the Holy Spirit in a very special way. And because we are that body of believers, we are supposed to 
care for each other and be concerned with each other. One of the verses I like to kind of tell the depth of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it says something to the effect, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we are all rejoicing. And the reason I emphasize that, because we're supposed to see how connected we are to be with each other. Encouraging each other, strengthening each other, coming in alongside each other. But one other thing, we're to be praying for each other. And in fact, we are commanded to pray for each other. I listed out two verses, one in James and one in Ephesians, that talk about it being a command to pray for each other. And there are other uh, areas where the, where the apostles were great role models on teaching us to pray for each other. So praying for each other is really important. And to even give another little perspective of that that I just think is, is, is encouraging, Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, through his writings, he was constantly asking, begging, and pleading and encouraging the church and the believers to pray for him and to pray for the work that God had called him to do. So we are reminded to be a praying people, praying for each other and praying to get revelation and God's power in the work that we're all being called to do. And so prayer is, prayer matters and prayer is essential to God working through us as his people. <clears throat> and, and now as we, as we go down, I'm going to go to verse 7 but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to go back and forth between 5 and 7 just for a second because in 5 we see they're praying and in 7, and I just love to read this and I'm going to read it like five times, and behold an angel. I love that. God's answering the prayer. But before we get to the answer, I want to paint a picture for all of us of what's happening in prayer. So the church is praying earnestly, but what's really happening? And I think the best way for us to understand that is that when we pray as believing people, we're coming into the presence of God. And in doing so, we come into his presence under the authority and under the covering of Christ. So this is a very privileged thing that we've been given through the sacrifice that Jesus made to come into the presence of God. And one verse that I just love that really, I think, just paints a beautiful picture for us to understand and appreciate this is under Hebrews chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. Now I'm going to paraphrase 14 and 15 and then we're going to go into 16 together. 14 and 15 talk about Jesus ascending to the right hand of God. And one of the things that he is doing there is he is serving as our high priest. A high priest that is compassionate for us, empathizes with us, and, and in doing so because he took on our humanity when he came here. And so he is pleading for us and interceding for us to the presence of God. But he also made a pathway for us to go into the throne room of God. So if we turn to, or if we think it's up there, but I, my eyes are bad. Uh, so here's verse 16. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's very important for understanding. My Part of my purpose here is to paint a beautiful picture of what it means for us to go into the presence of God. How many people think there's a far-off God and there is a judging God waiting to do whatever when we come into his presence? This is a totally different picture. This is a God that says, come in because you are my child and I want you to come in and pray to me. And when you come to me, you will receive what? Mercy and grace, not judgment. So we have a loving God calling us to come before him and to offer up our prayers. And I love the last part. We approach and find grace to help us in our time of need. So bring your cares, bring your concerns. God wants to hear them. And in doing so, he honors those and wants to, he wants to answer our prayers. So I hope that partly with this verse, it will encourage you to come, to come into the presence of God, ask for help, but also to understand that God will help us in that prayer. And he wants us to share, be authentic, and be honest with him. And so there's, a, a, there's an interaction that happens when we come into the presence of God. And to kind of expand on that, I also want to emphasize to us that what else is happening while the church is praying and while we pray, God hears our prayers. Now, it's kind of implied in, in verse 16, but God hears our prayers. And so another verse to me, I'm trying to paint lovely pictures here of God and who he is. Now, one of the most important things is if you're going to pray, you will pray more if you truly have a right perspective of who God is and that he is a loving God, kind God, but also a God that answers prayer. So I'm going to read um, 1 Peter chapter 3, a, a portion of it, not all of it, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Now, what a beautiful picture. God's eyes are, he watches over the righteous, and he hears the prayers of the righteous. So my question to you is, how many of you are righteous? You should be in, some of you should be raising your hands. Don't be shy. How many of you are righteous? Now, why do you raise your hands? Because, and Derek talked about this a week or so ago, we are covered when we believe that Lord Jesus is our Lord, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we believe we are covered by the righteousness of Christ. It puts us in that right relationship with God, which is why we can go into the throne room. And in that right relationship, God sees us as righteous. And so, therefore, as the righteous, God watches over us and God hears our prayers. Now, I'll give you a little testimony to that. 
I was saved. It's been two or three years. I'm reading the Psalms. And in there, there's a lot written about the blessings and the benefits of being the righteous. And I remember one day praying to God, I want to be righteous. And I'm not kidding you. God's like, Preston, are you so dull that you do not understand what my son has done for you? You are righteous because his righteousness covers you. So I just drive that home because it's really important for you to understand. So it's, one, it's important that we have a right idea of who God is, loving and caring and giving. It's also important we have a right relationship of who we are through Christ in our relationship with God. So Jesus covers us in righteousness, and we are blessed because of that. And part of that blessing is God hears our prayers. So we see the church in verse 5 praying. We're looking kind of in that middle realm of what's happening. God is there coming to the throne room. God is hearing their prayers. God is filled with mercy and grace. And therefore, now we get to verse 7. And I'm going to read it again. And behold... An angel. Now I'm not going to read all of it because it's verses seven. It's verses uh, seven through eleven, but I am going to uh, give us an overview of it. Behold, an angel. An angel comes into the cell where Peter is, into the prison, into the cell, and what does he do? He wakes Peter up. He tells Peter to stand up, and the chains fall off of him, and then he says, "Peter, get dressed." Get dressed to the point I want you to put your sandals on and your cloak on because I'm getting you out of here. So Peter gets dressed and they leave. Don't forget, he's got 16 guards assigned to him and they have to pass through other guards to get out. So they pass through and they get to a big gate. I would just, I'm saying big because I would imagine it's big. It separates the prison from the city and the gate does what? It opens. Peter and the angel walk down the street. The angel leaves Peter. And then Peter comes to the realization, oh my, God has delivered me through this angel from all that Herod intended for me. He's saved my life because I was to be executed the next day. So he saved his life. He got him out of prison. And effectively, when you read these words, you realize Peter is praising God and thanking God for what, is, what has happened. Now, the next verses take us into the house, to the house. But before we do that, I want to make one more point. And that is to pause on verses 7 through 11, where we're talking exactly what I just described, what the angel did. Now, I'll admit that I've read this numerous times before, and to be honest, when Derek gave me this, these verses, I read them again. And I pretty much, when I got to the parts about the angel, I'm like, wow, that's cool. But oh my, as you, what I love is when you get deeper in God's word and God gives you revelation, you begin to appreciate things. I now understand that this is a special gift God has given us. And what's that gift? He gave us a window into the spiritual realm. 
He gave us an opportunity to see what he does when we pray. So now we have a better perspective of the Lord God Almighty working on our behalf and using his power and might and resources to help us. So many times when we pray, we should understand God is working and God is active to answer our prayers, but we may not see it right away. So I found this very encouraging to know how God works in a mighty way on our behalf, even in the spiritual realm, to manifest itself into the physical realm. So this was a great gift for me, for me personally not to pass through too casually. So now we get to Peter, and we see that he's going into the house. So we're uh, joined with me, uh, verse 12. I'm not going to read it again. I'm going to overview. He, gets, he goes to the house of where the church has been meeting, and he knocks on the gate. And one of my new favorite characters, Rhoda, is, comes to the gate. And she is so excited and so joyful, she leaves him on the street and goes back to tell everybody what's happening. <clears throat> now, I emphasize that because it's actually a serious matter. He just escaped from prison. And we saw what Herod did to the guards. Do you not think they're going to be actively looking to find him? Absolutely. So he realizes that. So he wants in. So he's knocking. And then I love this. She goes in and she tells the group who's praying, Peter's at the door. And what do they say to her? You're crazy. What, where, what are you thinking, girl? They're, I don't know what you see at the door or what's there, but it isn't Peter. And, and I did share this a little with David Manser, and I loved his comment about it. He said, effectively, she's going to them, and they're saying, Rhoda, leave us alone. We're praying for Peter. <laughs> and so you kind of find that humorous. That, but that's our human nature. We can get so caught up in one thing, we're not seeing the big picture which is kind of my point here. Sometimes God answers prayers in ways we don't understand and in ways that are different than what we expected. So a caution for all of us is not to put a box over God and expect him to answer things the way we want them to be answered. We should be calling on the Holy Spirit to empower us to see when God answers prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is personal testimony again that I think drives home the importance of that. And that is that one t Linda and I, this was several years ago, were praying for somebody. And in our prayers, you know, this person had made a lot of bad decisions in their life. And so, but we were coming alongside that person and praying for them. And then they make a series of, of devastating decisions and hence why I'm just a fairly decent elder. My response was judgment. I was like, I'm done. This is ridiculous. How can you continue to make such bad decisions? And how can I, I continue to come alongside this person wasting my time? And so my lovely bride, who was beside me, said, Preston, I think this is an answer to prayer. I must admit, my first response was bewilderment. But to my credit, I went to God and I prayed about it. 
I began to see that it was an answer to prayer. One of these situations where somebody had to reach rock bottom before they lifted their hand up for help. And what a wonderful thing it is when a believer, us, are the ones to help grab their hand and lift them up out of the mire. Now, I emphasize that because I changed my heart and my attitude and I was able to pray for this person and come alongside them. And they turned around, and that was several years ago, and to this day doing well. If I just stayed not recognizing it, it was an answer to prayer, I would have probably stayed at a bad place and abandoned that person. So it's important for us to ask God to reveal to us answers to prayer. And then we can step into the work we're being called to, get, to do to join God in that prayer. And so I just encourage you to do that. The next thing I want to point out is that Peter then told the group, so he comes in and they're astonished, but he begins to share with them and he tells them exactly what happened to him. And in doing so, he also says one other thing. I want you to tell James and the other believers what has happened. And I emphasize that because, now James, this James, just to clarify, is the brother of Jesus who was the leader of the Jerusalem church. And so Peter wants them to all know. And what's the benefit of that? That is that we should share answered prayer with other believers. The reason, two or three reasons. One, it brings glory to God. Two, it increases the faith of the, those that are hearing. And three, I believe it unites us better together as the body of Christ, recognizing that we are a praying people and God answers prayer, and we should be celebrating that. So it's an important thing, once you get answered prayer, to believe, to share it with others. And then... So that's my comments pretty much on these verses, but I would like to close with one other comment that I think is essential to a broader perspective of prayer and is threaded really throughout these, these verses. And that is that, that prayer is spiritual work and we need to call on the divine for help. And who's the divine helper? the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our divine helper. And so when we are in prayer, we should be calling on the Holy Spirit. And one thing the Holy Spirit does is if we don't know how to pray or what to pray for, he helps us do that. It says that in Romans 8. He'll help us. I say that because it doesn't matter your spiritual maturity. You should be praying. And if you don't know what to pray for, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He's the helper. And so I say that especially to those that just got baptized. Pray. It's a beautiful thing that God wants us to do. The other thing is that when we pray and we engage the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 6, it says, pray in the Spirit. I don't want to make that too mysterious. It's really saying, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to empower us, to give us wisdom, to help us. And so we're, that is what we're doing when we pray in the Spirit. And Derek had talked about 
Walking in the Spirit is very similar. It comes from the abiding. So it's all about relationship. It's all about believing and trusting in God. And it's all about asking Him to help us. And when we pray with the Holy Spirit, we're enabling the Holy Spirit to lift our prayers, to elevate them to a higher level. And one advantage of that is we get out of ourselves and we begin to ask, and the Holy Spirit gives us a perspective, God's perspective on what's happening. And so in that, when that's happening, we see where God is working, what God's heart is, and what his desires are, and we can join him in that. So going back to being people of action, when we pray, God reveals his desires and his heart and his work, and we are to join him in that. So, as I close, I would just like to say, understand we're to be a praying people. And that prayer unites us with God, his work, and his will. And that prayer is important and valuable to the church, to God, to us, because God works through his people to accomplish his purposes. And with that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, that you call us into your holy presence, that through you, Jesus, we're able to be a people that can pray. We're a people that we know you hear our prayers and you desire for us to pray, that we would be united with you in such a way that you would work through us to accomplish your purposes. And we would celebrate that with you. And we would be um, a people that encourage and strengthen each other. And I pray, Father, that you would cause us all to have a desire to pray and to have deeper understanding and appreciation of prayer with you. So thank you, Father. And may as we leave this place, may uh, we just feel your holy presence prompting and guiding us knowing that you are with us always and that you, Holy Spirit, desire to guide us and to empower us and to help us. In Jesus' name, amen.